Sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, March twenty second. Um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna get into some lacrosse, right? Uh, no, we're obviously not gonna do that. We're gonna talk uh, we're gonna talk basketball. We're gonna talk about the end of UVA's uh, 2016-17 season, and then obviously the the things that have come up in the last few days, or I guess today, uh, which has sent UVA fans straight back to self spook. Uh, no, no fan base can sell spook better than uh, than UVA fans can. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, before we do, let's go around and introduce everyone. Uh, out in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. Hi, David. Hi, Mr. Franklin. Wow. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Who Days on the board at Who Days on Twitter. That was so much more dorky with the Mr. Franklin part. <laughs> uh, out up in Arlington, Justin Ferber is also on the show. Hello, Justin. Hey, good to be back. Um, I laughed out loud at the lacrosse comment, by the way, <laughs> knowing you personally made it funnier. Uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional uh, witty banter or breaking news in, in the case of this afternoon where we will get to the, the couple transfers that Virginia has uh, is looking at, and, and we'll talk about scholarships and situations. And no, we're not going to talk about Michael Porter, um, just like we didn't talk about Austin Nichols coming back. I, look, I'm not saying it, it can't happen. I'm just saying that if you put any emotional – uh, energy into thinking it will happen and then have your, your hopes dash in a few days when he uh, commits to Missouri, that's really on you. Um, now, if it gets further down the line, he takes an official visit or something, okay, well, you know what, no. you know, Then you can start maybe getting a little hopes up. Uh, so Virginia goes out and wins a game and then loses a game when, with me on, on national television. Um, how – I can't imagine uh, a more deflated – sort of outcome I, I don't even know what else would have had to have happened uh for, for uva that saturday night um to feel worse about the result uh I, the only thing that made me feel any better about it was i thought florida was really good i mean that did not look like a team to me that um consistently does it well enough but man when they're when they're right they're they're pretty good i thought they defended hard i thought they defended very well uh i, I thought they put uva in, in a tough spot and the cavaliers just uh, you know went into that place where they couldn't shoot uh, couldn't couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Um, does that change? Uh, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, for me, it sort of encapsulates UVA season. Um, you know, from the Nichols suspension on, I just felt like that was sort of who UVA was going to be—a um, team that either really, really did well or really, really did poorly. Did did that change your your sense of of Virginia season? Ferber, let's start with you. How, how did Saturday's result? Uh, either cap or go against uh, what you felt like UVA was this past season? I think it kind of lines up with it pretty well, actually. Uh, I mean, I thought that their ceiling, and, and the thing is, and I say this every year, so if you've listened to this podcast a lot, you've definitely heard me say it, but I'm not big on predicting like how far teams are going to get into tournaments in the preseason. You know, like I don't think, oh, this is a Final Four team, or oh, this is a Sweet 16 team, just because it, it's so dependent on matchups. And I don't think that losing in a single elimination tournament um, in the second round versus, let's say, in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight necessarily ruins a season. Just like I don't know if, you know, like Syracuse making the Final Four last year. I mean, obviously the Final Four is, is something bigger than that. But, like, you know, let's say they lost to Virginia in the Elite Eight. I mean, they barely got in the tournament. I don't think a lot of their fans would be like, oh, good season because we won, you know, three games in a row. Um, so... I think this is about right for this team. I think that they, uh, you know, deserve to to finish in the top thirty-two, the second round. Um, I, I mean, 
are they one of the best 16 teams in the country? I don't think so. And not every team that's, you know, one of the top 16 teams made it to the Sweet 16, but that's the nature of the tournament. Um, I think this is a, a fair result for this team. I mean, getting by UNCW, as much as teams will look at the Florida game and, and I mean, as much as fans will look at the Florida game and, and say, wow, you know, they were clearly just like totally beaten on both ends of the floor and in basically every facet of the game, which they were. I mean, winning a game in the tournament is still an accomplishment, um, getting by UNCW. Obviously, they didn't get as far as a lot of people would have hoped. And if they had won one more game and played this weekend and lost to Wisconsin, I think a lot of people would have been really happy with the season, whereas losing in the round of 32, maybe not so much. Uh, the way that they lost, obviously, was more of the jarring thing to me than the fact that they actually lost. I mean, they lost to a good team, but losing in the fashion that they did was kind of a microcosm of the season, or the issues that they had this season anyway, where it's just like sometimes the offense just looks so clunky and just like nothing would fall, and then it almost becomes a mental, like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost, where the players just stop seeing the ball go in, and then they can't make it go in, and they try hard to make it go in, and it just doesn't go in, so... Um, I think that that's something that needs to be, you know, improved going forward. Obviously, you're not going to win any tournament game scoring 39 points. So um, if they want to get back to where they were, they're going to have to find people that can score like they had with Brogdon and Anderson and Harris when they were at that level. So um, fair result overall, I'd say, for this season. Yeah, I think it's interesting to me because we look, this is the part where I, I give the caveat that that two things can be true at the same time. Right. It is. I think it is true that UVA that that getting to the Sweet 16 or, or whatever was a good result for this team this season, and yet they played like crap. Right. I think it's. I think we, we can say that that two things can be true. The the thing I find interesting is that we live in an age where championships are everything. Right. Nobody cares about longevity. Nobody cares about consistency. All anybody cares about are wins in in a championship situation. Right. So nobody cares that you finish top three in the ACC, but People care about, did you win the ACC Tournament Championship? Did you win the NCAA Championship? Like, is Villanova somehow not one of the best teams in the country just because they got beat? I, I mean, I don't think so. Um, now, that being said, I think Ferber's point about the way they lost, it, it really was, to me, very telling. Because I think, you know, we talked about this a lot, right? That their ceiling was really high, but their floor was super low. And, and the problem that they ran into is they trended toward the floor way too much. And they never could really get themselves back to 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 being at the top of the uh, at the top of that ceiling, um, and so I feel like it it was always going to be a tough road to hoe when when Nichols was kicked off the the team. Right? We all we we knew that at the time. Um, I, I think some of us, probably myself included, thought that they they would be better in the post than they ended up being. Um, they just weren't able to go there consistently enough, and that obviously was a huge problem. Uh, Dave, what are, you, what are your thoughts? How does Saturday's result inform the way you look at this season? I mean, I think it kind of just reinforces it. Um, I mean, it was I mean, the two adjectives that come to mind when I think of, of this year. First of all is inconsistency. Like, moments of superb play when you think of, you know, what they did on the road at Villanova, um, beating Carolina at home, the way they played at Notre Dame, just very, very good play. Followed by games that look like this team had just gotten together that afternoon. Um, and that's what you saw this weekend, even in the first game. I mean, that first 15, well, it was 12 to 15 minutes was just, or less than that, 12 minutes or so, was just hideous. Hideous basketball. Um, 
and then they kind of turned it on and put on the spurt and you know the optimist in me was hoping that would carry on to the Florida game and then in the Florida game they came out really well I mean it came right. out really good I, right. I don't know how deep it was but Start, I mean, 15 was 13 cons- yeah I mean it was it was deep into the half it wasn't like it was five minutes in we were I think like at least a second I think it was under 12 yeah under 12 um and then from that point on Virginia went on to score 24 points the rest of the game I mean so yeah just the in- inconsistency we see- saw all year without without a lead dog score to to kind of dump the ball into when the rest of the team is having a drought um without the physicality we've had in the previous years you know allowing you to wear teams down um and score you know inside consistently it's just a team that relied a lot on finesse and shooting to have success and um the other adjective i'll use to describe it is disappointing i mean Look, it, it's a great season. I love the fact that I can use disappointing as an adjective for a season that, you know, we finished third in the ACC, well, near the top of the ACC, um, won a game in the ACC tournament and won a game in the NCAA tournament. That's where Tony's gotten us. But a lot of the what we've seen the last few years <clears throat> as the stars have moved on, starting with Joe and then Justin and Malcolm, it's always been the upperclassmen that kind of mature and take over. And when you looked at the roster on paper coming into this season, look, the Nichols thing, that was, yeah, that changed everything. Like, if I don't want to go on a tangent, but think about how much better Reuter would have been if he could have played off of, like, Reuter would have been a factor playing off of a Nichols, but he can't be the guy, and he can't play off salt because he's not a threat. Um, so there's a lot of pieces that got affected by Nichols not being here, in addition to us as a team losing um, – us as a team because I played um, <laughs> losing a post score. Um, but that's one thing. I think I don't want to drop it on the juniors, but Tony's formula calls for the you know, kind of maturation and turnover. And when you've got a class with four juniors, quite frankly, I don't think we, Devin Hall probably had the best season of the four. Um, Wilkins had moments, and obviously he can't help that he got sick at the end of the year. I say Hall and Wilkins were the highlights. Thompson surprised you. And Shayok overall had a pretty disappointing year, um, you know, just inconsistency. So if you don't if you don't get that production from your junior class, especially after le- losing Austin Nichols, you're probably going to have a bad year. So you know, it disappointing and inconsistent. And look, it's a the thing I hate it most about the way we lost. Look, Syracuse was painful. Yeah, like that was painful. It took me a long time to get over that one. Um, the Florida loss was so bad, I was over it before the game ended. It was like Virginia Tech beat down in football this year. Like, you can't believe it. You're angry. You want changes. You accept it. You know, it's all five stages of grief before the final buzzer. Um, the thing I don't like most about it, not only have to watch it, but then, you know, for the next 24 hours till the next game, you know, 16, 17 hours till the next game started, every pundit in the world was, you know, this is why Virginia can't win playing their style. Like not every other team is going to lose <laughs> except for the champion. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a bad weekend, disappointing weekend. Um, yeah, there a lot has to happen for next year. I, uh, I kind of want to touch on um, <clears throat> something Dave was uh, alluding to there. He was talking about the junior class and that was something I was actually planning on talking about. You know, I believe that I said, I don't. Was it before the season? We're talking about freshmen, and I said and it, the, the season would be decided beyond the freshmen and nickels. It would be decided by players who had worn a Virginia jersey before. And the reason I said that was because, to Dave's point, 
Virginia's program is built on guys maturing through the years and and taking those steps forward. You know, Tony Bennett mentioned before the season started he thought every single player had m- taken some steps, and the problem ultimately was that that junior class um, wasn't able to take a step forward together. And what I mean by that is is that the program wasn't able to take a step forward. When you lost Nichols, you knew they were going to be limited in the post, and and I and I guess I just never realized that it was going to be so. Um, it was going to be so feast or famine. I, what I find really super uh, ironic about the way Virginia lost that game Saturday night is that for, that was the first time all season where they were getting points inside. And you were like, whoa, this, so this is what it looks like when guys are you know scoring in the post. And literally nothing else, nothing else went right. Um, and it was almost like Dave was talking about the, the way that the, 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 the UNCW game started and how poor it was and then all of a sudden turned around. Like it's almost like if you took – if you took the crappy performance from that UNCW game to start and then put it over top of the, the good performance to start the Florida game, it would basically be one entire NCAA tournament game that was just a bucket of yuck, right? It would almost fit perfectly into place, right? And in a way, like, the fact that they were, they were so up and down all year and so inconsistent, that, that kind of felt like the ending they should have, which is you're not sure what you're going to get. Oh, look, it's all bad. Um but I don't. I still don't know if you can point to one single game where they were good. Maybe the UNC game in Charlottesville, um, where they were good. But even that game, they didn't shoot it very well. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm trying to. I'm struggling to think of a game where they just came out like gangbusters, and you just knew, yep, this thing is over. Like they're gonna, they're, you know, they're gonna roll, and they just rolled somebody. And that's that's something that the previous at Louisville teams, would be about the only one. Yeah, I mean, but like that's something that previous teams did, right? They turned a 12 point lead into a 20 point lead, and you, and they basically coasted. Um, I, I think that we need to get back to talking about something we haven't talked about in several weeks, which was the loss of the second half leads. I, I, I still contend that those it, those issues centered more on your lack of offense than it was your lack of uh, of true defense, because ultimately you're not going to pitch a shutout. And there were times where, and don't throw things at me, there were times where this se- this basketball season felt like a football season. It felt like one of those years where like the defense, like Tanuta's defense, is playing really well. But Fairchild's offense is sucking it up, and what are you supposed to do? You can't blank somebody. Um, that's that's where I I, told, I got that vibe so many times this year. Um, and what's crazy about it is this is the most talented offensive line that Virginia's had, at least in terms of individual talent, right? Um, clearly, though, uh, not having Anthony Gill, to me, I think in a lot of ways, not having Anthony Gill was bigger than not having Malcolm Brogdon. Um, what Virginia could have done with a post guy like Anthony Gill or a fifth year of Mike Toby. Uh, would have been I just would have been it would have been a dramatically different team, but defenses were able to do what defenses were able to do, and ultimately Virginia just didn't knock down shots. I I, I want to get into one other thing before we leave uh, the season as a whole, and I, I guess I want to talk a little bit about one. I think he does. I think Tony Bennett deserves some credit for going with that five guard lineup against UNCW. Um, that's something that obviously happened since the last time we talked, and 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 what I think is interesting is that like the the conventional wisdom across much of of uh, college basketball media was Friday Saturday night was like oh man look at Virginia's offensive futility, but then to see what Virginia did to not only sure up its defense against UNCW but then score points, I thought was was important. If there's anything that should give fans hope a little bit. Uh, going into an offseason where they really do have to figure out the offense, its offensive issues. Tony's willingness to go with a five guard lineup should 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 
should I think be a big part of that. Like I think that it, it what it says to me is that he's clearly understanding that they have issues, that they have deficiencies, and that sometimes you can't just de- out defense your way out of an offensive issue. And I, I wonder if we're not going to see Virginia playing to its talent a little bit more next year. Um, I, they'll be a little bit less clunky um, by nature. They'll be I think a little bit more fluid. Uh, they'll have taller guys who can run the floor, which is the first time I think in a while Virginia's going to put three three guys on the floor who can move and, and with some length. Um, and so I'm interested to see what that team can be like. I'm not going to come out here and tell you that Virginia's going to you know you know be fun and gun, but I do, I do think you're going to see Virginia be a little bit quicker, uh, maybe even to get into its offense a little bit, um, which I think would be a, a nice step in the right direction for for these kids. Um, I, I don't want to do like the whole like. Do you think this year was a disappointment? Because I don't. I don't think that's a real. I don't think it's. A I already answered that. <laughs> no, no, but I don't think it's like a real like. You know, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying like it, trying to put it on some kind of scale or something. Just yeah, seems, yeah. Seems seems kind of silly, but I do. I, I do want to look back at and and say I, I think it was a missed opportunity in some ways. I mean, it was always going to be a transitional year to me, um, but it was a missed opportunity because I thought that that Virginia could have one, I, I would have liked to have seen them play Mamadi Diakite more. Um, I, I think there were definitely times in the season where they didn't for, for very, very reasonable, very um, um, legitimate reasons, right? Very makes, makes perfect sense. And yet I just think that they would have been better off for the future. Um, if they had played him more, I, I still think that when he, when you give him consistent minutes, he delivers, uh, you you just can't pull him if he you know he committed a three second violation, it had, he had like two turnovers and then the, you know I don't think he played again um, against a team that he matched up. I thought he matched up really well with Kaycock, but um, I, there are just a couple of scenarios like that outside of uh, of the departures which you're going to talk about here in a moment. Uh, I just feel like there were a couple of missed opportunities, and I think getting big minutes for Diakite or getting uh, at least more minutes to develop Diakite was a big uh was a big disappointment for me or a big uh um, drawback from the season and i kind of want to get some of your guys thoughts on on things that that were um negatives or or something coming out of this year uh dave let's start with you what were some of your or give me one or two um sort of uh disappoint disappointments or something about the season like that i mean my biggest disappointment is just seeing london go out with you know the team kind of sputtering at the end um i I, obviously, I was wrong, but I know we talked about in the preseason podcast. I uh, I really expected London to kind of be a, a more dynamic scorer this year, and maybe that was blind optimism on my, you know, on my behalf. But because, like as we saw this year, he's a capable scorer. But when you have, when the other team knows he's got to try to score, he doesn't have the athleticism to create a shot. Like. If he can play off of another player like Justin or, or Malcolm or Joe, then he's a much different animal. Um, this year's team didn't really have that guy for London to play off of. So you saw games where maybe Kyle or Ty or um, Devin or even you know Darius and Mario were having good games shooting the three, and it created more space, and then London had better better performances. But like against Florida, where the rest of the whole team was struggling, like London just doesn't have the athleticism to to get by his guy every time down the floor. Um, but that said, I mean, what he meant to Virginia basketball, it's a shame to see him sputter going out. Um, so I mean, he did all he could. He carried that team as, as far as he could. Um, you know what, even though we say it's a lot of offensive weaponry, it's probably the least talented at that stage team he's played with. 
um, since his arrival and still took him 20 plus wins and to the round of 32. Um, and that's my biggest disappointment. Look, when you lose a guy, you, you use two years of scholarship for, I don't keep wanting to go back to Nichols, but that, that's just a huge deal, man. You, the, the program invested two years and you know a year into redshirting him to get him ready for this year. And it was all set up perfect. And as soon as that domino fell, there's not a, like look around the country. There's not a lot of back to the basket bobmen. Like they don't fall out of trees anymore. That, that guy wants to face up and dribble the ball now. Um, so when you kind of build your team around that, it's, it's hard to recover from. What about you, Ferber? Give me some, some of your uh, uh, disappointments or whatever we want to phrase this as, uh, looking back on the season. Yeah, I mean, I think one of my biggest disappointments is, and I, I don't want to get too hot takey about this, but for the first time, at least for me, in the last few years, um, UVA basketball was at times, not always, but at times as unwatchable as everybody outside said it was. Um, I think that was one of the most disappointing things to me. They had some games that were really fun to watch this year. Like I really enjoyed the Villanova game, even though it didn't go well at the end. Um, there were some others throughout the season that were, they were fun games. I mean, they, they, they are well-played games. Um, even if the score was a little bit lower, but there were some games in this season that were just brutal to watch or stretches of games that were just absolutely brutal to watch. And I mean, from a perception standpoint, I don't really care that much if people think it's boring, even when it's not, but, but like if people were saying they were boring before they should, this is what it is like this, this is, I don't want to say bad basketball, but watching that Miami second half was some of the worst basketball I've seen in person in a long time. And, um, I mean, it's not on the scheme per se, as much as it is like, I just don't know if I I hope that the coaching staff isn't just like, it's like, well, if this guy can't play defense here, he can't play here. I, I think there's a lot of guys that you can teach to play defense. Um, or, I mean, like, if they can physically do it, you can get them to do it. If they're going to play Virginia, they're going to buy it anyway. But I just – it was really clunky at times. And then watching them throw away some some significant leads in the second half was tough to watch because it felt like you could you could feel it coming. I remember that Virginia Tech game on the road. Um, they were up, what, like 14 at halftime. And I remember thinking this game's not nearly over and, and uh, Tech had a chance to come back and win. And it shouldn't – that shouldn't really be the case with how UVA plays defense, but um, I'd say those were the two biggest negatives. And then there was a stretch of time where Kyle Guy didn't play that much, and and I definitely wanted him to see some more time. And obviously at the end of the season, he did see some more time. And I understand why he didn't play, just like you were saying with Diakite. Um, you know, he had some weaknesses on the defensive end of the floor, but I just think, you know, when when they needed offense, he's a guy they could turn to in a lot of games. And obviously he had games like the game against Florida where that didn't go his way. But more often than not, he was a net positive on the floor. I mean, in that North Carolina game, that him getting hot was what won them the game. So, I mean, and that can just show you if they hadn't played him in that game, I don't know if that game turns out that way. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think, you know... Dave somewhat alluded to this about, you know, the, the, the idea of putting two years in Austin Nichols and not have anything to show for it. You know, I, I think that's obviously an issue. I just feel like um, you could have done, you know, it had, had UVA played a better brand of basketball and been in a better position to um, 
to not have to to be so um i don't want to say mistake conscious but do you see what i mean like the idea being that like they 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 the the margin of error was so thin and i know people get tired of talking about margin of error but like they were on such that they were like right on the edge of that 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 line and they always were right there and so any issues that popped up would basically derail you know what i'm saying like it would just be such a a massive situation that they weren't able to kind of I, I just don't think this team ever really gelled right uh, and i think maybe that's my biggest uh disappointment so to speak and and i'm sure and something we'll, we'll we'll certainly touch on in a minute um about the future of the program i do want to end though on, on talking about some positives um because i don't think this the, the season was completely negative um Ferber, let's start with you. Some of your your negatives uh, about, or excuse me, your positives about UVA this season. It, it, obviously, there were there were stretches of games or, or uh, where the offense didn't didn't make you happy. But what did make you happy this season about about the Cavaliers? <laughs> I was going to say I don't have any more negatives, Brad. <laughs> um, I would say positives. Ty Jerome. Uh, I mean, obviously, a little bit of a slow start to the season. Didn't play a whole lot. And uh, you could tell in that West Virginia game when Tony had him out there in crunch time that he trusted him to break the press. And, and they, you know, they felt like he was a capable ball handler that they could put out there with Parentis and just kind of like, you know, ride that wave out. Um, at that point, he wasn't really being asked to do much on the offensive end of the floor, but it seemed like he almost kind of brought that out himself. He just decided to be more aggressive and. And, I mean, sometimes his aggressiveness hurt him a little bit. He took some shots that he might not have, you know, been the best shot to take at the time. But I'm okay with that. I mean, I think we've seen too much passivity from this team anyway. Um, in general, just, like, uh, everybody's trying to make the perfect play. And, uh, like, all, like unselfish to a fault. I don't really mean that necessarily as a negative. But sometimes when you don't have a, an alpha dog on the court, everybody is just looking for each other and, and you know you need somebody to go out there and get his almost and i think ty did a good job i mean that villanova game that was a revelation for him so um i mean hopefully he can come back next year stronger and 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 still as aggressive and capable of a score as he was at the end of this year so i'd say he was my big positive um overall and jack salt's development um he went from a guy that i didn't think could play um in the acc like i didn't think he could play meaningful minutes on a team like this right. in, in crunch time situations or, you know, just extended minutes in general. I just did, I thought he'd be a liability on the offensive end and he actually wasn't too bad. Yeah. I think the interesting thing about salt and this, this will be an interesting one going forward is if he, if he can, if he continue, can, can, can continue to develop um, people forget that, you know, he's only registered sophomore. So he's got two more years. Um, if he can continue to develop, he doesn't have to do much. This sounds so. This sounds so lame. He doesn't have to do much offensively to be. You know, it's not going to take. Um, it's not going to take a leap. Like he doesn't all of a sudden have to learn how to. You know, cross over people. You know what I mean? Like he. He just has to. He has to be much more comfortable. Um, and, and I think that's something that seems a lot more doable, maybe than some than some steps forward need to take. I think my positive uh, since since Ferber said uh, Ty Jerome. Um, mine would probably be the the consistency that we saw from Devin Hall. Um, he 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 was not going to be Malcolm Brogdon. He wasn't going to be able to be Malcolm Brogdon. I think he did a good job of being a poor man's Malcolm Brogdon. And if you're the poor man's uh, poor man, so and so of a guy who's going to be the NBA Rookie of the Year is probably not a bad thing. But like defensively, he he still has he still has some room to grow. 
Uh, I thought offensively, he, he sometimes still has a tendency to make things too hard for himself at the rim. He's got he's to finish better. There's plenty of, of things in his game to improve. But I just think that uh, he did a lot that Virginia needed him to do. Um, he, he was never going to be like an alpha sort of guy, but he could definitely be an, an, an important piece, and I think that's what he is for this team next year. He's ready for that, uh, that sort of leadership role, and I think what you saw from him on the season uh, was, was indicative of that. Uh, Dave, what about you? Give me I mean, some positives. positives. <clears throat> the team as a whole, I mean, look, we talked about how they gave up leads and everything, but the, no matter what lineup Tony put out there, whether it was multiple first years or um, you know, going super small or going super big, they still played good defense. Um, if that's what our program is built on, and that's what I keep being told and seeing, like I think at this point it's pretty safe to say Virginia knows how to play defense. And when we went five small against UNCW, we played better defense than we did with our normal lineup. Now, granted, it's a special situation, but in any game during the year, there's very rare. Rarely did we have like several moments of play where, where our defense wasn't up to par. It was 90% of the time our offense failing to convert or failing to produce that resulted in, in some of the down times. Um, and that's a plus, especially when you're starting to play play guys that haven't been in Mike Curtis's you know, system for multiple years to get bigger. Um, and that's also, I think, going to help Tony trust them to play more minutes. And as the season went on with Kyle especially, Tony became more comfortable and you know Kyle still gets picked on they, they still try to isolate and drive on him but towards the end of the season he got really good at helping off his man and kind of jumping that pass um and look he's never maybe eventually he'll develop into a better on-ball defender but stuff like that like no matter the lineup the defense still being there bodes well for the future and it also bodes well for Tony taking a little more <laughs> risk about putting offensive players out there um as far as individuals, like, look, Ty and Kyle came in with a lot of lot of hype. I think there were points during the year where Ty played better and points during the year where Kyle played better. Um, but I think they both helped us win several games this year. Um, and you're right, Devin Hall was going to be number one on my list, but you already brought him up. I thought this team needs a lockdown defender. We've always had one um, that you can put on any guy, you know. Um, and, you know, I was kind of – kind of tongue-in-cheek early in that UNCW game, tell them to, you know, put Devin on the big man. And like, between Shayok and Devin, they're the ones who shut him down. So um, that gives you a lot of versatility moving forward and a way you can line things up. Um, yeah, I mean, Wilkins, before he got hurt, I mean, before he got sick, you know, he brings something to the team we don't have in another guy right now, and that's the ability to, you know, to play play the three and the four and sometimes even the five. Um and he did that well at points this points this year. So, look, there's some positive. You don't win 23 games, or was that the final total? 23. Oh, we won. We won a lot of games. You don't. You don't do that without some positives. So, yeah. Um, let's uh, let's cross over into next year. So, no London Perantis. Uh Austin Nichols. That door was closed. He's now um, uh, declared for the NBA draft. Which I hope everybody understands is not. Doesn't, I don't think that means he thinks he's going to the NBA draft. I think he understands that, that means he's going to play professionally, or he wants to play professionally. And he's, the way you do it is you you say you're going, and then you get an agent. Um, best of luck to him. Hope it works out for him. Sorry that uh, we didn't get to cover more of him at UVA. Um, 
though I did have to chuckle a little bit because remember it wasn't that long ago that people were like, well, you know, it, it, Nichols could still go pro after that one year. You know, he could still go pro. You know, we we might have to we might have to recruit. Blah 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 blah. Well, mission accomplished. Exactly. And raised. Um, and then today news breaks that Jared Reuter and Marielle Shayok are both transferring. Uh, let's start with Reuter first. Um, you know, I think when you have a situation where you have a guy who can't play in the in in, in Isaiah <laughs> Wilkins, okay? When you have a guy who can't play and you still don't get much burn, that's probably a pretty good sign. I mean, when the coach would rather go with a dude half your size and put you on the floor, and like I'm not I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just being honest. Like I think that game it really did and kind of like Wilkins can't go and they'd rather put a guard another guard on the floor. I mean, Reuter was going to have a tough time. Uh, I, I, Dave, was it Dave who said the thing about imagine him playing off of um, Nichols? Yeah. You know, I mean, like, he really would have been a perfect complement to Austin in a variety of ways. Um, and they would have had a nice uh, a, a nice little little, uh, little tandem thing going on there. Um, but I think that the, the thing I just can't get over, you know, Wilkins is out. I mean, it's not like he's, you know, it's not like he's got a grapefruit on his ankle, you know. I mean, he, he's he's incapable of movement, you know. Um, he and 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 Reuter still couldn't see the floor, and I mean, it it looks like this is the best case for for both sides. I don't think anybody here would disagree with that. Um, that this is one we probably all saw coming. There's a reason why. In that uh, that storylines piece, I didn't talk about Reuter much because I figured he would leave. The Shayok one was a little bit more surprising, but yet not. Um, it makes sense that a guy, uh, although I mean maybe he's not on pace to graduate, maybe he does want to transfer, sit a year, play a year. Um, but it it does sort of um, it does make sense that a guy like him would want to leave. He's a junior. He's already been passed over. Uh, he probably was, you know, it's probably pretty clear to him, uh, uh, given his conversation with, with Tony Bennett, that, that his role is probably going to be pretty similar next year, coming in off the bench, being an energy guy, uh, being somebody who can come in and score points. Um, and maybe he, maybe you know, overall, look, I, I really don't think that he fit this system. I, I don't think that a guy who has, he, he, he sort of has to have the ball in his hands to do what he needs to do, and Virginia's offense is one that really sorts of, is sort of geared toward people coming off of screens and kind of working for their space, whereas he's a guy who needs to, he needs to get you in his kitchen to create his space. Um, he took a, lo- a lot of long twos, um, and uh, I just don't, I don't know if he was ever a good fit for, for the offense. And he just, physically, I, it, I know I've said before that, that he, he's a good athlete, but he's not a great athlete, and that sometimes held him back. Um, I, I don't think defensively he really ever took the step forward. Um, that I think a lot of people, myself included, expected. Either of these transfers surprise you guys? Uh, Ferber, let's start with you. Talk to talk to me about these transfers and and how you're feeling about both of them. Um, Reuter doesn't surprise me at all. Um, that's all I'll say about that. Um, Shayok, I was surprised because he has one year of eligibility left. Um, so I wasn't expecting the just because. Um, I didn't think that that was going to be an option, but I guess if he can graduate and play next year, then that would make sense. I don't know if that's what he's doing or not, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think from a depth perspective, you're going to miss him, but, um, with the development of some of the younger guys at that position, the minutes were always going to be tough to come by anyway. Um, obviously he played well in the UNCW game and, 
And uh, I guess he'll forever be the guy that kind of won them that game, regardless of what he does going forward. So, um, you know, I think he had a pretty good career here for for what he was. I mean, he was kind of brought in late uh, to fill out a class. Um, you know, offensively, I'm not sure exactly how he fit in with the rest of the team. And I think we all saw that. Played a lot of isolation basketball, which is fine. Um, I don't think that was him being selfish or anything. I think that's just what he was best suited to do. And I hope he can find a good fit for him that will allow him to do that. Honestly, uh, I mean, both of these guys are, are you know good basketball players, but I don't think I don't think UVA is going to be worse for the wear. I mean, they were only going to get one more year out of Mariel anyway. So I think now you can start to kind of plan your roster a little bit better. It breaks the scholarships down a little bit better. Um, and I think that it gives them some options to maybe find a guy somewhere and plug him in and hope that he's a good fit. I want to touch on uh, one thing you said. You were talking about uh, Reuter. Don't you get the feeling that he's a he's a guy who basketball sort of left behind? You know, like that. Like yeah, you know, exactly. It wasn't yeah. that long ago that he would have been an, an incredibly important piece. You know, but in today's world of positionless basketball and fours who can shoot threes, he. He's an under, he was a he was an undersized guy who played below the rim, had a back to the basket game, and and really couldn't cover a lot of space. That he he gave you great energy. He he look he hustled. No, there's no doubt about it. He gave what he had. Um, he just it's just a he's just a tough fit for what for what basketball is right now. Now, if you paired him with a big who could demand the lane, command command the lane on defense. Pass well uh, offensively and and be a guy who who because he's got good he's got good feet he's got good hands I, I just it's just not it, it wasn't a good fit at UVA the the Shayok thing I do think it's a little bit of a negative for next year in the sense that he was one piece that you knew you could go to and and you could potentially get some offense from now I I still think Virginia is going to have some some tweaks to its offense uh, and given personnel and maturity I, I think um, Shayok was going to have a a tough time seeing maybe the role that that you would expect that a senior would want to see, but he was going to have two up. They were going to be basically three junior, three senior guards, and that was always going to be tough. Um, and maybe this is something he's been thinking about for a while. That's not not just based on the last couple games, but maybe he's using that UNC game or UNCW game to as a nice jumping off point. Um, I would not be surprised uh, if he landed somewhere in the Big Ten, uh, you know, the Big East, somewhere like that would make a, a lot of sense to me um, with some of the teams that recruited him previously. Uh, Dave, what about you? How do you feel about these uh, these transfers giving you any heartburn? How you feeling? I mean, Reuter, I think we all – like if you had to bet who it would be, if some one person would be transferred, it would be him. Um, yeah, everything you said. I mean, look, he, he got to play alongside Toby a little bit last year. Um if he'd been able to play alongside Nichols this year, he probably would have helped, you know, been more valuable to the team. But now without a scoring five in the system, very unlikely you're going to go snatch one up this late for him to play off of, um, especially without having a scholarship to do it with. Um, it doesn't surprise that, you know, that he's decided to move on. Um, and it's just like, you're right. He's probably the best passing big man we had, um, but who are you going to pass it to? That's kind of the problem. He's like he needs to pass big to big because that's just the way his game is. Um, and in this offense, if he touched it in the post, you know, he was a little undersized, didn't have to be doubled. And when he was doubled, 
yeah, yeah, just wasn't a great fit for what we're doing going forward. Um, and then, you know, Mariel, we had talked about him in some earlier podcasts about, I think I brought up every time he touched the ball below the foul line in the offense, it just stalled. Like, like he was here for two years. He had some great individual, he had some great games, but I, I want to say he averaged like four points one year and six the other. I mean, He's never been a big point scorer throughout the year. He's, he just has these moments of flashes of brilliance, and then he disappears. Um, I would like to have had him, had him next year just because you're looking at that three spot, which, look, every position on the basketball floor is important. But when you look at these teams that are succeeding and, and making runs in the tournament, almost every one of them, in addition to good guards and you know having some versatility, they all have that like dynamic athletic wing. Um who can, you know, just make his own shot. Like almost every, I can't think of one off the top of my head that doesn't have one. Um, so now you're pretty much going to have to rely on, um, you know, DeAndre Hunter, who's got some ability, but it's yet to be tested in gameplay. Um, and then Anthony, who I- I'm guessing the staff was probably going to try to redshirt um, if Jayak was here. Um, I, I don't know that for sure, but given their history, that wouldn't have been surprising. Um now you're gonna have to rely on them pretty heavily to man that three spot because, and who knows what happens with Wilkins, who who could maybe play a few minutes there. Um, so that's tough, but it makes sense. I mean, if you go back and look at a success this year, it tends to be in games where, in moments where he gets the ball late in the shot clock and he can kind of abandon the black and rover principles and just go get his shot because he has to, or against UNCW where we got out of the black and rover, essentially went pick and roll and ISO basketball. Um, it's just not what Virginia does, so it's not surprising. It, it does hurt our depth and experience. Um, but, you know, it, it wasn't like, he, you know, he was a great fit for what we're trying to do, uh, especially on offense. As we look forward, um, you know, it's interesting to me because – all right, so let's say let's, – let's look at the lineup. As, as, as we understand the roster now, and, and we should just note that now Virginia has – Three scholarships for 2017, should the staff choose to use them. Um, and, and that's a, in addition to Marco Anthony. They have the Nichols Scott scholarship as well as the, the Shayok and uh, Reuter scholarships. Shayok scholarship is essentially an 18 um, that so they, they theoretically they could just wait and then they can use the four that they'd already planned in that class. So they could add two. It's basically six over those two, those two, two years. Um, all right. We all, I think everybody understands that they were in a position with one, with the Nichols Scholarship, where they could go big or go point guard, right? I think all of us pretty much agree that they could really use a dynamic sort of um, jitterbug sort of point guard, right? I, I, for lack of a better description, a Chris Likes kind of guy. Yeah. A small guy who could play on-ball defense and also go get you a bucket in the lane. Tough kind of kid who could, uh, who could play a little bit bigger than he is. Um, now they don't have to choose, right? They can go with a big and a guard. Um, high school senior transfer senior uh, who has signed but who has not uh, who who has you know either coaching change or his coach left um, to take another job. So a lot of things on the table for those spots. As it stands now, just let's just go on the talent that that is currently on the roster. So then there would be uh, what three seniors uh, in Thompson, Wilkins, and 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 Hall. Um, you would also have Guy and Jerome. You you would imagine your starting five would be Ty Jerome. Kyle Guy, Devin Hall, probably Wilkins and Diakite slash Salt, depending on what Tony is feeling like. 
you kind of hope that at that point Diakite is to the point where he is he is improved enough that he's the guy. Uh, you got Thompson coming in off the bench as kind of your backup point guard and and your other wing guy who will handle the ball. You know, Tony likes to have two of those kids on the floor at all times. Um, you would also have DeAndre Hunter and Jay Huff in the mix, as well as uh, Marco Anthony, who I agree is probably not redshirting at this point. Um, one because you probably want to you probably want to move things along in the class. He may have been in the, in a position to redshirt before, but I don't know if he will now. And plus, physically, he's ready. I mean. That dude is going to be like Justin Anderson physical ready. So that's not a bad sort of depth if you think about it. They're going to lose two kids and still be like that. That's one of the reasons why I think if that's the way, it, if that's the group it is, and then assuming that one of these two scholarships we think they're going to fill is going to be probably a guy who's ready to play right away, either because he's a senior or because he's maybe a one-year sort of transfer. Although, I mean, Tony typically doesn't go with those kids. They just don't typically seem to land at UVA. Um, would be in, I would be really interested to see him get one. Um, but anyway, what? How do you feel about the roster at least as of now, as we know it? And do you agree that you want to see him get a big and, and a guard? Uh, Ferber, let's start with you. How do you feel about this roster as it's currently constructed now without uh, Reuter and Shayok? Uh, and then do you feel like those are the two priorities uh, in terms of need? Yeah, I would say so. Um... Obviously, you have a few different guys this year that can play point guard. But projecting forward past next year, you don't. So they're going to have to get some depth there. Um, luckily, there are some options. Uh, and then, you know, as far as bigs, I think you need a big that can score. I mean, I think if, if nothing else this year showed that um, the guys that they have now are good defenders for the most part. Uh, Diakite obviously has some potential as a scorer that's un- unrealized at this point. Um uh, which is fine because he's a freshman. And Wilkins is probably, I think we've probably seen what he will be. Uh, I don't think he's going to make some magic leap or anything like that. And uh, hopefully his health continues to improve. But um, and, and Jack, I think, is pretty much at his ceiling. So, I mean, I think if you can find a big that can score in a variety of ways, whether that means stretching the floor or, or scoring back to the basket, I mean, that'd be great. Uh, obviously, you have Jay Huff waiting in the wings, but, uh, I mean, I think you need more than one guy that's able to do that kind of thing. What about you, Dave? How you feeling about that roster, and uh, and do you feel like big and, and guard are their 1A and 1B priorities? I mean, for me, it's – I think about – I kind of think about what gave us trouble this year, and it's, it's teams like Miami, Florida State, Florida, um, teams that were – able to spread you out but still had size and athleticism and look anthony is probably the most physically gifted of of the guys coming in you're right he, he looks jacked obviously i've never seen him in person but he, he looks pretty big um hunter's got length that we didn't have on the wing this year i think you know he's six seven ish with with long arms um cuff is certainly not someone you're going to think of as a physical player um but what what concerns me with the backcourt as is look Look, Hall is a great defender. Um, can drive the ball, but he's not. I'd say he's he's a good driver, but he's not a great finisher. I think all of our guys could use some help on, you know, not avoiding contact when they go to finish. Um, hopefully, there's a camp we can send them to this this off season. Um, and, and Jerome and Guy, like they could get their shot, but can they get their shot against that six five six six point guard for, you know? It's covered them, so I, I'd really like to add a piece like that. You know, I don't know if it needs, I don't know if I want a combo guard. Um, 
Chris likes to be perfect. If he changes his mind, that'd be great. Come, <laughs> just someone is a, a change of pace guy, like super quick. Um, just kind of spread the floor, let him do his thing, and then you know you spot you place Jerome and Guy and even Hall and Hunter around the around the outside and let that guy do his work. Um, in games like where we have to abandon the block remover at points or, or whatever it might be, I think that could add a lot to what we already have. Um, like I'd love to get a a four or five that can just back down in the post and score, but I just don't know that they exist that much. You know, like, I said it twice tonight. Like you go every time I pull up a power forward that's either committed to a, a school that you know a power forward center that's committed to a school that has a coaching change or is uncommitted. You watch him play, and half the video, you know, watch the highlights, and half the videos of facing up and backing away. So, um, like, my guess is if we fill, if we can find a scoring big, it's probably going to be that grad transfer or a transfer. Um, Maybe a kid that's playing at a smaller school and has developed physically or 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 whatever. But I think that's one A and one B. And just because it's a little easier to find the the jitterbug um, change of pace guard. I think that would probably be in my number one, you know, like the number one likely addition. Um, but yeah, if, you mean, if we can figure out a way to get Mike Toby a year of, <laughs> uh, year of eligibility left, that would be perfect. If we could find another one to him. It's funny because he almost wasn't the type of guy they needed when they needed him, and now he, he is the type of guy they need. Now, I think what you're going to see is that the guy who is the back down five who can finish, that's the point. It's not necessarily a power size thing it's a length and finishing ability thing there was this one play god was it the carolina duke game in cameron there was this one play where justin jackson's running down the floor on a fast break and he's kind of looking over his shoulder and it wasn't an alley-oop he literally caught a pass adjusted his body and, and laid it up in one motion and i remember texting you guys and saying like i don't think virginia has a single guy who can do that and that's the, that's what basketball is right now basketball is a game of long athletic kids who can who can change direction? Now, the one thing that Shayok had going for him, and st- I mean, still is he's not dead. Um, one thing Shayok has is that he has an ability to to move forward without losing any kind of um, any kind of steam and still move his hips. Right? He can, but he he can't. He wasn't a good finisher and he wasn't a good dribbler. And what Virginia needs, I think, as they go forward, are offensive players first. And I think what they've got to stop. The one thing I would say about their recruiting going forward is they've got to stop taking defensive guys guys who can play their defense and they think they can teach their offense they need offensive players that they teach their defense to and i think that's one of the things that change in 16 right because if you look at the kids who they signed none of those kids none of those five kids and i see i, I still put momity in that in that class none of those guys are typical pack line yep you can do it now marco anthony in some ways is but he's also sort of a scorer but None of those 2016 kids are um, dudes who can just do that. And so that's why I think we talked about this a lot on the podcast this season, right? The idea that, like, Virginia was stuck between, like, its best offensive guys weren't its best defensive guys and vice versa because it's, it was a transitional year. And so, like, I expect that, that, that these young offensively-minded kids will pick up the pack line better, be better defenders. You're not going to change who somebody is. You're not going to all of a sudden make Ty Jerome into being Chris Likes. But what you can get out of Ty Jerome because he's six five, you know, and 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 as he continues to mature, and he, you know, I, I think Mike Curtis did a great job of making Devin Hall much more flexible over the years, and I think that's something that that you're going to see from Ty Jerome. I think Kyle Guy will continue to put on weight. 
um, he'll continue to get stronger, and I think that's the biggest piece. Is he's always going to be, you know, six two and a half, six three. Uh, what do they list him at? Do they list him at six three? They do list him. He's really six two. Um, he's always going to be a little slight, but he doesn't need power to get his shot up. He needs power. He needs strength to hold the whole ball and be able to stop ball. Um, DeAndre Hunter and Jay Huff. I want to focus on them for a couple minutes because those are the. Uh, those are the two carrots I think that a lot of UVA fans are holding out in front of themselves right now to make them to 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 kind of dull the pain I guess of 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 losing a couple guys and having the season go the way it went. Hunter is is listed at six seven and that, he's he's every bit of six eight. He might be six nine. Um, he's still a little bit gangly, and what I mean by that is his movement is not necessarily always fluid. He can shoot his shot. He still has guard like tendencies even at his size. I think he can move well. Um, I w- I'm in very interested to see uh, what he's like next season. Jay Huff, I think, is easily um, the most athletic, um, true big. And, and I, I say that because I, I think of Diakite as being something of a of a tweener big. He's 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 long, but he's more. He's got he's got what I would call guard like skills. Huff is. Huff is long. He's got he's got he's got good explosion off the floor. He's got I, I think he's got good feet. He's not he's not a powerful kid, but he certainly knows how to use his length in a way I think the Dikite sort of struggles with now. Um, and, and toward the latter part of the season, I think Mamadi did a better job of not jumping on every pump fake. Um, but I, I'm really interested to see what he's like um, next fall. I, I don't know if we should put them. You know, put expectations on them. You know, oh, I think he's going to play this many minutes or I'm just going to score this many points. I just think that both of those guys are going to be able to provide a scoring punch. I know that, you know, Tony is, is clearly pretty intrigued by what Huff brings to the table and his skill set. I'm just curious as to how it all matches up. And I wonder if we're going to see any long-term changes to the uh, blocker mover. Do you guys feel like you might see Tony make some, some actual wholesale offensive changes? Because if you think about it, his system in blocker-mover, he's not really going to have a lot of blockers next year and beyond, right? He's going to have a lot of really skilled bigs who could, you know, I don't want to say like he's going to all of a sudden go to a four-out, one-in or something dramatically different, but I just wonder what kind of tweaks we're going to see. How do we feel about the offense going forward? And do you, you, maybe regardless of whether you think there should be changes, do you think you will see some changes? Ferber, let's start with you. Uh, I mean, he he makes tweaks from time to time, so I think we'll cons- continue to see that. I think the basic tenets of the offense will remain the same. Um, I think with the type of personnel you'll see on the court, I mean, that could change how things are schemed up. Um, I think they should probably scheme for more corner threes, just in general. Um, I mean, they did run different kinds of cuts and stuff, especially in that North Carolina game. You noticed it um, at the end of the season, the last North Carolina game. Um and in the Miami game, I think that he mentioned that, you know, late in the game they tried to get Devin open a couple of times on the baseline, and I think stuff like that will come back into play. It just, I mean, when they had a guy like Joe that could kind of get to the rim but could also slash down the, like, you know, he could slash the baseline but also knock down the corner three, that that really helped, you know, with the offense. And they didn't run that as much for, for Malcolm because he was more, you know, at the top of the key almost. Right. Um, but I think that with Guy – and uh, and even Thompson to a degree, um, you, you know, you could see a lot more corner threes from this group, and and then Hunter, I mean, he seems to have a diverse a skill set, so you can kind of use him in a lot of different ways. But excited to see what he can do, and then uh, Jay, obviously, if 
if he can develop physically, he's going to be very good. I mean, I, just from what I've seen in warm-ups, I've been impressed. So um, he's a very good athlete. So I, I'm pretty excited for him. He seems to be a good finisher, too. I mean, like he seems like he's got good ball skills. Um, yeah, yeah, he's very polished. Yeah, um, yeah, he's he's. It's he's not that's not why he sat out this year. He sat out to get stronger. I yeah, mean, that no has doubt. to be the reason. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Dave, what about you? How do you how do you feel about um, about that? I mean, I, I doubt we'll see a wholesale dumping of the block remover. Um, like a, it's just what we've been doing, um, and for the you know for the most part, it's worked pretty well. We've been pretty good. Um, now you're right. Yeah, you know, when you look about that projected starting five you you were just mentioning like i mean do you who, who are your blockers there i mean it, it gets a little tough with, with the pieces well, we have i think what you'd see is is if you think about blocker mover you might be in a situation where now that you have a four you could play a, you could play hunter and and huff at the four or five and have them be blockers who pop out and now you're talking about um guys who could who could set a screen Guy comes off a curl and then he could slip the screen, you know, even before it gets yeah. there. Or, you know, there's a lot that you can do there. Plus, I think if you did, if you did have some 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 sort of ISO situations built in, right? Um, I, I think one of the things about UVA's offense, and I'm and I'm not trying to steal your thunder here, but I think one of the things that, no, about UVA's offense that I that I really started to notice more and more is that teams were essentially just throwing off the rhythm. And so all they needed was the ball to be at the top of the key and there'd be just a little pressure on the ball, and then the pass is not ready to be thrown when the guy comes off the curl. And so then, so then they basically have to stop and reset, and everybody has to, you know. And so teams are doing, I think, a, a much better job either of, of not being screened or getting, 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 um, getting, a hand, getting some, some pressure on the, on the ball or some pressure even on the catch to the point where it would put the, the passer in a position where they just didn't feel like they could throw that pass. And it's almost akin to uh, a defense trying to knock uh, a timing route, a guy off the line of scrimmage, right? You know, you bring a guy up and you and you and you press, and you're basically just trying to throw off their timing. And that's essentially what I think happened to UVA a lot this year: is that defenses did that to them. They didn't have guys who could essentially go get a bucket. They needed the action to get them the bucket. They needed the action to get them the space. And that's why Shayok was such an, a revelation at times because he could just catch, wait. Do a little shimmy, and he could get a shot. Whereas other guys needed more uh, to get there. I thought Kyle Guy probably more often than not didn't push when he should have. And I think that goes back to Ferber's point earlier. Like they were so selfless, and there were just too many times where it cost them. And they never they never gelled enough to know when to go and when not to go. And I think that's something that has to change, regardless of of what sort of system um, they're running. Dave, I don't know if you had anything else before I just randomly cut you off. Sorry, not really. I mean, look, I, I think you're, you're going to see a majority of the time we're in the blogger move, but I don't think you're going to see Tony wait as long to, you know, if he needs to go small to go small. He seems to understand that that's what it's going to take some time. Um, and with the weapons, you know, with with the lineup and roster we'll have next year, and who knows what we might add. You know, we, you know, if we get that point one percent chance and you get Michael Porter, then we got a whole another discussion about oh, what to do Lord offensively. That's a um, that's a good place to put a pin in it. <laughs> why, Dave? Why we made it? We made it. However I've been long saving that, I've been saving that twelve gauge this whole time. Oh, we made it so long in the podcast. No, I mean, before you t- and you seriously, seriously though, I mean, like the black remover, um, it could work with this team if Jack could just work on his hands this all season. Like if that's his one goal. Just catch better, like he can. He's big enough; he can dunk. Uh, he doesn't have to do a whole lot. 
if he just stops take, putting the ball on the floor and just catches better, I think that changes a lot of who he could be. Um, I think Mamadi struggled some with the blocker mover this year. Look, he's still learning the game. It's you know, um, but yeah, you, you had a guy like Huff. I'm inter- actually interested to see what Huff could do in the blocker mover when you got a guy that big who can curl out and um, look. The offense, it's not like the offense is trash. We've had some very you know, efficient offenses using it. So if the pieces can mold, I don't, I don't see us dumping it completely. Yeah. And I agree. I, I just think that especially with Ty being in there, I'm, I'm curious as to see, curious to see like what that looks like as, as they kind of get some seat time and guys get used to each other um, in it. Um, but I think that's a good place. Uh, even though he sl- snuck the, the Porter reference in there, a uh, good place for us to put a pin in it. Um, I want to thank everybody out there for all of their support through basketball season obviously a uh, a busy time for us and and we enjoy bringing you the podcast every week and talking uh uva hoops uh so thanks for um for supporting the site for supporting the show uh, i want to thank uh um, dave and ferber for giving me their time over over the course of the season i really appreciate it guys thank you very much uh and again if anybody wants out there wants to check out the podcast um away from the site uh you can look it up on itunes overcast all of your favorite uh, podcast apps we're we're going to be there so just search for the show and i think uh next week we'll get into some spring football we'll talk to bronco mendenhall on friday uh as we sort of get break into spring ball and then we'll have i think at that point uh, uh by the time we talk again we'll have at least some kind of spring practice report type of thing um from from one of the one of the uh one of the practices so we'll we'll have to switch gears and 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 un- undoubtedly we'll be talking uh, basketball recruiting this spring uh going forward as well so uh, again, thanks, everybody out there for giving us a listen. For Justin Ferber and David Spence, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.